Hello, I'm Ran. Welcome to the Flow Artist Podcast. This episode was recorded in New Plymouth, New Zealand with Ram and Bhavani Davies of the Sivananda Yoga Centre. Before I jump into the conversation though, I thought I'd give you a bit of a background about New Plymouth. New Plymouth is a small town on the west coast of the North Island of New Zealand. It is the capital of Taranaki province, colloquially known as the Naki. It also happens to be the town where I was born. It's a small town with a population of less than 50,000 people. And it's a rural centre in a dairy producing region, which is also fuelled by the local oil and gas industry. As you'll hear during this interview, Back Beach is a very popular surfing spot right under the ever-present watch of the beautiful Mount Taranaki. In fact, the Lonely Planet recently selected Taranaki as the second best region in the world, which has attracted a wave of backpacker tourists drawn by the surf and snow. While I grew up, New Plymouth was a fairly slow, conservative town, so I was pleasantly surprised when I came back recently and discovered that there was a thriving yoga and meditation scene. The last I counted, there are at least six yoga and meditation studios in this small seaside town. I attended a class with Bhavani at Buckley Hall a while back and it was a really great gentle traditional and meditative practice and it left me feeling fantastic so I was really looking forward to catching up with them. In this conversation we'll learn about what led the two of them to yoga, to each other and to New Plymouth. We'll discover their philosophy on teaching and finding your own voice in a traditional style. And they offer advice on those who are thinking of starting teaching or opening up their own studio. Please enjoy. Joe will join me at the end for our picks of the week. Thanks for meeting with me, guys. I've got Ram and Vani here. Perhaps we could just start by telling telling us uh, your bit about your background and perhaps where you grew up. Thank you everyone for listening and thank you for inviting us to do this. Really honoured. Uh, well, I am from Mexico. I grew up there um, yeah, a long time ago. <laughs> Mexico is very folkloric. It's a very rich culture and I was, was grown up with lots of people in my house and big family, very warm people and spicy food which is great so yeah yeah really great country so yeah now here in New Zealand for seven years Mm -hmm. so yeah that's a bit more of me I grew up in New Zealand pretty classic Kiwi house nothing too out of the ordinary Um, spent probably about 12 years overseas trained as a chef so uh, that sort of took me traveling and I guess how I got into yoga also, essentially, nothing too exciting in my childhood really. <laughs> Bring us on to yoga, so how, how did each of you come to discover yoga? Uh, I, well first time ever was very casual, just you know regular class in a gym, that was the first time I even heard the word yoga. A very physical style of yoga, very dynamic. It took couple of years to get into actually really practicing a bit more of it I got a wrist injury I had to stop for for a year it was a very strong practice at the time so I stopped and just went back to it in a different teacher and that made a huge difference for me to actually start understand other aspects of yoga so I could say that was 
for me, the more important introduction to yoga was after I had learned all that, the physical part of it. So yeah, it was mostly just just trend, trends, trend line and, and went more into the aspect of meditation a couple of years into it. Thank you for that, just that teacher. That was really valuable for me. I was working in the yachting industry at the time right. um, over in the Mediterranean. I was a pretty classic chef, lots of drinking and partying and a very unhealthy lifestyle, <laughs> high stress, um, working a lot of hours and I had absolutely no interest in yoga or didn't even know what meditation was <laughs> and funnily enough the, the girlfriend I had at the time she had done a yoga teacher training and she was kind of twisting my arm to be a guinea pig <laughs> and try out yoga which I was actually quite reluctant to do. <laughs> But I gave it a little bit of a go just because I had some back issues and I found it, it, it quite useful. And I guess she convinced me to do a yoga teacher training course, which I had no intention of teaching yoga. I was sort of just doing it to develop a practice for myself. <laughs> I hadn't even set foot in a yoga studio at that point. Um, and I went off to Canada to do my first teacher training course <laughs> in the Shivananda Ashram, which is yeah quite a, a classical ashram and mm-hmm. a lot more going on than just a sort of Hatha yoga class. So that was definitely a shock for me. <laughs> yeah, which I almost didn't even go through with the teacher training because it was yeah it was definitely a culture shock and yeah. uh, everything else. So, but no, I was definitely where I was meant to be, and uh, yeah, never looked back. Perhaps you could explain what differentiates um, Sivananda-style yoga from other forms. Well, picking up from what Ram was saying, I think at the time where I started to deepen my understanding of what yoga was for me, I was practicing a very dynamic style, more vinyasa, shtanga style. And at that time in my life, I was yeah, definitely struggling with some aspects, aspects in my life. And I remember going through a rough time and one of my best friends, she said, okay, I'm going to pick you up seven in the morning, go to the very first class in the morning, then off you go to work and then I'll pick you up again in the evening after work and we'll go again. So I started going twice to class and that really took me to the next step of under, to, to develop just a deeper understanding of yoga. And at that time, my teacher started to just started see a little bit of my practice, how I was developing it and, and planted that seed of perhaps you should consider being a, a teacher. I was working already graduate of architecture and I was working really happy and never thought of actually dedicating myself to it. So I, there was someone in the, in the classroom that mentioned the Shivananda style and I thought that if I would become a teacher to do a teacher training which of these schools would be an alternative and thinking of a style that would be similar to what I was already practicing. They were not the same length of time as the Shivananda Ashram. There were two, three weeks of training and the Shivananda style offered one month full stay, which is not common sometimes in teacher trainings. They can, you can have a full living in experience. So I thought being the time in my life that I needed that time to dedicate it to myself and how much I was so hungry for more of understanding of the philosophy of it, I thought that was perfect to consider the Shivananda, although I'd never heard of the teachers or what style it was, it was really, really different. So um, 
signed up, went to the teacher training and first week I just wanted to go because it was completely different asana style than what I did. It was very slow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was really slow and I thought, oh my gosh. And it's just the same thing over and over and over again. So in that sense, I would think it made, I can understand both parts because what, what I started with was completely different to what I shifted to. It was, I was used to every time something more creative and uh, peak posture and, and no stop. It, it was just Shavasana was at the end and that was it. And I think the most predominant thing I noticed within the physical part of practicing the Shivananda style was the meditative part of it and the repetition, which I had a lot of resistance to. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a lot of the branch of what the the style is that Vishnu Devananda designed. It was a set sequence to be repetitive and it also have just an energetic meaning to it that was integrated within the resting and stopping, which is much therapeutic now, I understand. Not so yang, but also yin. So it was a very, very incredible combination of both, which I didn't understand at the time. So if from the question that you're saying of what is the major difference within the asana practice, I think for me that's the most thing I perceived since the beginning, how different both were from where I started to where I started to experience that and yeah completely shifted to Shivananda style I I think I could never go back to the other one now that I feel that I've really blended to that style now I guess for me the Shivananda style of yoga the Hatha yoga aspect is designed very much from a, a mental and energetical sense rather than a physical sense even in the teacher trainings there's not a strong focus on the physical aspect or having your body aligned a certain way it's more about being in a certain space mentally while you're doing the practice and I guess that would be the the hatha yoga aspect but when someone says to me what is shivananda yoga or what's unique about shivananda yoga for me it's more that shivananda yoga isn't a hatha yoga practice it's a um, holistic practice of, of all aspects of yoga, of learning philosophy, of practicing karma yoga, of understanding a bit of the bhakti yoga, the, the raja yoga aspect, the, the eight limbs and that sort of thing, and, and taking a little bit of everything, but also, you know, focusing on what you enjoy most out of that as well. And, and I think it goes a long way to to sort of guide you in, in, in life in general, rather than just being a, a physical practice. Sounds beautiful. <laughs> um, and do you have any key teachers from from the um, from Sivananda or before? Or? Uh, before. I always consider my very first teacher still my 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 current teacher um, in a lot of aspects in life. Um, she's in Mexico. But as a sort of guru, something I would definitely feel that that was a big part of my my journey my journey yeah that's a great word yeah thinking <laughs> what would be right yeah Shivananda and Vishnu Devananda both is in I also listen a lot to Muji mm-hmm. so as Ram was saying it's not now only about just following us the Hatha part it it is the other aspects that are still there been planted before so I definitely find now that the teachers that I that I follow would be more on the on the physical on the f- philosophical spiritual aspects 
Yeah, for myself, I mean, I've, I've always felt connected to Swami Shivananda, even though he's obviously mm. um, not here in the physical sense. It's always, yeah, I don't know, there's always been a, a connection there. And in the physical sense, um, I mean, my Hatha yoga teacher was Prahlad. He's a guy from South India that sort of teaches predominantly in Canada and India. He had a big impact on, on my Hatha yoga practice. I was very lucky enough to do my the first sort of parts of philosophy I learned under Swami Swipananda, who doesn't teach a lot these days. He's quite reclusive, but he is, yeah, definitely, I would say, an enlightened human being. And, you know, he's the sort of person that explains philosophy in a sense that you just understand it so easily and so simply. I mean, you know he's speaking from a place of direct experience, which is really rare. Yeah, rare. Right. Really rare. Um, Swami Govinda <laughs> would be another impact of my life. Um, he's in India. Potty Swami would be another one. And then I've also done quite a lot of study with the Chinmaya mission as well, so I have a bit of connection there too. Um, so yeah, I'm lucky enough to have had quite a few yeah, um, amazing. really cool teachers in my life. What made you each decide that you wanted to be a teacher? I know you, you said you didn't want to teach to, to begin with. So, yeah, what? I think it was not decided for any... We didn't decide, both mm-hmm. of us. It just simply happened. Mm-hmm. It unfolded naturally. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, I think we both have seen that within our story that we had different plans or different professions. And, yeah, I never even thought of living in New Zealand and dedicating... Even do it. Yeah, doing the teacher training was just a part-time, just on the side, something to occasionally help someone from the family, just something in that sense. But it was really, really... I remember the last the last thing I took from the ashram when I was leaving the ashram, that someone said, what's your plan? And said, just plan not to plan. There was no plan. There was literally no plan to teach or nothing. And coming together, living here in New Zealand, the centre was there, and I, I just started teaching just kept going just kept going on teaching and that was it i've read both your experiences on yoga lunchbox about your teacher trainings and and the struggles you had with them would you like to talk a little bit about your experiences with the teacher training i was lucky enough when i turned up with the ashram i was there about two weeks before my teacher training started otherwise i probably would have never even made the start line um so i sort of went through the initial struggle of just being there and I, I mean I guess coming from um, just a western background and I found the um, the satsangs they have there where they're doing the kirtan and meditation I really struggled with that at the start I thought it was a cult and <laughs> I was just thinking oh I've got to get away from this place but yeah just just giving it a chance and managing to sort of stay a bit with a little bit of open mind by the time my teacher training started I felt just really in good shape for it and just ready to make the most out of it so I think I went through my main struggles before it started I also went for a heavy detox process in my teacher training mm-hmm. um, like I said I've been a chef and it's a hard lifestyle eating eating heavy food mm-hmm. and I used to drink a lot mm-hmm. um, so I went for an enormous cleansing process mm-hmm. in the six mm-hmm. weeks I was there in the ashram. So physically, I think there was a lot of toxins coming out, mm-hmm. um, and also mentally and emotionally too. Mm-hmm. And I think I think there's a point probably with every teacher training, once you give up that resistance and just surrender to the process, then things go a lot smoother and a lot easier. Mm-hmm. 
so yeah, I guess that was that, that was part of my struggles. <laughs> yeah, I think it was the same for me, just so unfamiliar. It was very unfamiliar. The back to yoga definitely was nothing that I have experienced before, and and it's probably one of the most things I enjoy the most at the time. Just it was just very different and sharing spaces with other people just living there different different schedules and and they the, the schedule is pretty much designed to be to make you feel very not to make you feel but actually keep you busy give you no free time no right. free time so everything of the conditionings that you had oh, i want time for myself i want to study i want to do my own practice they it's so it's so well designed that it no just slowly there's no time to think it is slowly once you finish that month you're thinking oh wow it suddenly fell off and didn't really notice when that there was no yeah it's just such a process of karma yoga there there's so much uh encouragement to help and to participate in all the aspects that is so enriching so obviously at the beginning there's a lot of resistance because there's nothing that i had experienced before mm. like really you know participating on the cleaning and cooking so much and then waking up so early to be there for the altar and all these things it was it was great it was great at the end but at the start it was really hard and wearing the uniform every day was also as a girl like you wanted to dress up and you know you you wouldn't just tie a knot on the corner just to make it look a little bit different (laughs) anywhere else you want to do your own style or your hair or just something that makes it different and it's just that same attachment to your own personality and identity and I think it's just so cleverly done it's, that it's a great process. I, yeah. I help teach on about it does. ten or twelve teachers. As Ram says, if you really surrender to the process, it yeah. is a beautiful outcome. Mm-hmm. But there is a lot of resistance it's, of a lot of layers. Yeah, it's like clockwork. Every teacher training that I helped on, you'd see first week people come in, they're a little bit excited, a little bit nervous. Some people are freaking out a little bit. <laughs> Second week, everyone's, everyone's freaking out. Everyone's falling apart. The wheels are falling off. Lots of tears, lots of crying. Third week, they're coming out. Fourth week, no, no one, one wants to go, go home. Everyone's like, amazing. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, is a very traditional style. Has there been a process of finding your own voice while remaining true to the lineage? Or is that something you even struggle with? Yeah, I mean, for me, I was very... I was a very classical teacher for probably the first 10 years. I, I was very much by the book, didn't deviate much. And I think it's only just recently in the last five or so years that, I mean, I've done a few other trainings here and there and worked with a few other people and just, I don't know, I, I guess learning to understand people's bodies and what they need and, and what people are ready for, what people are ready to receive has been a good learning curve for me. But yeah, I think I definitely stay very true to to my roots, I mm. guess. But in the same sense, you do have to be ready to teach for what people need and what people are ready for mm. too, which, you know, sometimes you do have to scale it back a little bit mm. um, so it's digestible. Yeah, I think well, the struggle for me was probably the opposite way because I came from a different background of teaching yoga. So then starting to teach a much more traditional style was definitely struggling in my mind as well to wanting to integrate both parts and there was a probably two year time where I was putting a lot of effort and energy to trying to be some sort of teacher that was trying to combine or do this and be more creative and more you know wanting to create a certain experience out of it 
And it's really funny because we've talked about it so many times, those classes when you're the most exhausted, they tend to be the most beautiful classes because your mind really drops. So you come out and the students are like, wow, that is incredible. And it was sometimes when I was so exhausted and I didn't have a chance to prepare a class that I would just really relax to the traditional sequence that I could really see what the effect was for the students. So there was that, when I started to realize that, I started to let go of wanting to show up and teach a certain thing and not plan anymore. And until this day, I never plan. I always show up to class and see who's there, test the energy of the people and see where, where we go. But um, at that time, I think I understood there is a reason for sequences. And it's a bit, and it's a bit egoistic thinking, I can do a better class than what the masters have designed. There's obviously so much knowledge in why they design it exactly in that part and there's a really beautiful talk of Swami Sarupananda that he explains exactly why the energetic sequence of the Shivananda is for which part of the chakras and and it and it's such beautifully described that I I think it was that time around two years in teaching that I I just surrendered to that and and kept trusting turning into the teachers every time I would show up to classes turn into the teachers and even repeating the words, the wording of the teachers of the ashram or what Ram would say would be just honouring the teachers. And then two years later of copying my teachers, suddenly something else came up and then I could start to find there was a part of my voice that was coming out within, but in a different way. It was not Bhavani's yoga. It was still within the same lineage, but, but there was a deeper understanding of why things were in a certain sequence. But I think we all, I always still teach always within the structure of the Shivananda style in that respectful way. So this is probably a bit of a left turn. How did the um, two of you meet? Oh, <laughs> well, come back to the same point at the ashram. <laughs> back to where we started. Yeah, well, Ram was there, one of the assistant teachers. In the ashram in Canada, ashram in, uh, in Canada, the mountains of Quebec, and I already signed in for my teacher training there. Um, I was debating between the one in New York, closer to Mexico, or the Canada one, and I wrote to like ten people on Facebook, which ashram would you recommend? No one answered, but one girl saying, oh, "I really recommend the headquarters in Canada." And I thought, "Oh well, I've never travelled on my own. I'll I'll go there. At least I know one girl." And it turned out she was friends with him. So, I yeah, shout out to the ashram. I already signed my course and this and that. And I think we both eyed each other there, but really never exchanged words until... We spoke like a couple of times in the whole month she was there. But then very, we... very yoga related. Like just really <laughs> questions. Because he was one of the assistant teachers. Mm -hmm. And obviously his teacher was trying to sell him out because he was single. And he was like, come on, girls. And obviously he was... He was trying to sell, sell it, like settle him in. Um, so yeah, I mean, definitely, I think we both had each other, but but not. I I think we're both not really right intending after, to. After grad, the graduation ceremony, that we actually sat and talked for a couple of hours, which was unique for me because I always went to bed early, but I actually stayed up late that night. <laughs> yeah, and just and, chatted uh, for a while. Yeah, and I think. Bhavani left the next day, we had a bit more of a chat and I didn't even get her contact details because I was quite busy so I, 
ended up sneaking into the office to find your email and uh, started emailing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I left and I thought, oh, well, he didn't even ask for my number. So I was like, okay, that was it. And then, yeah, a couple of days later, pop, I was an email. And I thought, oh, wow. I kept in contact for about a month because I was still there helping on another teacher training for another month. And yeah, then I stopped off at Mexico on my way home <laughs> to New Zealand and... Then Pavani came to New Zealand for a month and I went back there and then she came here and that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> At what point did you guys decide that you wanted to start teaching together? <clears throat> Is that something that evolved quickly or did it? Yeah, well, I, I had already started the right. Shivananda Yoga Center in New Plymouth mm-hmm. a few years before that. When Bhavani came over, she just naturally started teaching because I was right. already there teaching. So... Um, it was just yeah, just a natural step, really. Mm-hmm. In the yogic philosophy, uh, you know, money's not important yet to keep your business sustainable. It must be something that you think about a little bit. Um, do you have advice for any other yoga teachers out there, sort of doing? So who has a tough one? The money, mm. money balance with yoga. I remember when I first started the yoga center. I mean, I was lucky enough that I had a little bit of money saved up from my days on the yachts so when I started the yoga studio it wasn't conceived at all as a business it was purely just more of a community service in a sense and just to 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 do what I wanted to do obviously since having kids that certainly changes things Mm -hmm. because you need to have a bit more stability so yeah I've ended up working as well at the moment particularly while we're transitioning to to building a retreat center mm-hmm. but it's never been something that we've we've really pushed it to be making money or to yeah. be thinking of it like a business mm-hmm. in some ways i can see you definitely do need a little bit of that mm-hmm. but I, i've always felt just being true to yoga that you you also have to be authentic with with what you believe and what you practice and i remember one thing i was always taught my teachers was be a practitioner not a preacher and i've always mm-hmm. felt by pushing as a business is just that slight feeling of I don't know just not the right sort of vibe for me anyway mm-hmm. for it yeah. um, wanting a certain outcome out of what you're doing yeah. which is opposite to probably the karma yoga part just that mm-hmm. selfless service and I've always felt with the, the center we did have and what we are doing here that it, it it kind of has an energy and a karma of its own I mean mm-hmm. we hope what we're doing now will get to the point where I don't have a, another job as well. We're mm-hmm. definitely we're working towards that, mm-hmm. but but we also know that it that it takes time and there's a process that we have to go through for that. Yeah. Um, and I think any advice to give for people in that that sort of boat is you have to stay authentic to what you're doing and trust in the process and what you're yeah. doing, and, and life will take you where you need to go with it. Essentially, not yeah, always the quickest way. Really, know why? Why is it that you're doing this? Yeah. Why? Like, ask yeah. yourself that because I know definitely when I first first son was born we did feel that pressure as well of wanting to fulfill a certain responsibility of income so first of all we became aware that we felt feeling we're feeling that pressure and there was something not feeling right with how things were were coming about and we thought hang on we're definitely putting the center into pressure to do something that is not ready to do or not meant to do so the decision was to just get another job and let it be because we both always respect that it is a separate entity and it has its entity of its own. So the centre has always almost taken care of itself mm-hmm. and 
and if we had put pressure to it, we would have had to completely go in and put a whole business plan into it. And we were simply aware that we were going to put pressure into it and it was it was not meant to be that way. So having another job took off that pressure and we can still keep enjoying showing up to class. Whoever comes, comes, and if it doesn't, doesn't matter because it's not meant to to fulfill the needs that we have. It can simply be. So I think that's how it worked for us. We can and keep enjoying showing up to class regardless who comes or who doesn't and and let it just evolve as it should. New Plymouth, I, I grew up here and mm-hmm. uh, I guess as I was grow- growing up here, I, I don't remember yoga being a thing. Mm-hmm. And now I come back and there's you know five or six studios and what, what's a fairly small town. Do you have any idea why it might be so popular now? I think yoga's popular in the world in general. Yeah, I think it's just a natural growth. I remember the, yep. I first started teaching in the States when I'd done my teacher training course and there was yoga everywhere there. Mm-hmm. Um, every street corner in the big cities has got a yoga studio. And I remember when I came back home, I was like, oh, wow, it's it's, <laughs> it's not much yoga here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when, when we started the studio in New Plymouth, I mean, it was... 10, 11 years ago, mm-hmm. there was only one other yoga studio, and it was very, very small, just a very small Iyengar studio, which is still going. Mm-hmm. Um, and for many years, it was just the two studios in town, and then all of a sudden, yeah, it exploded. And I think I always knew it would, mm-hmm. um, because, yeah, it's happening worldwide, I think. Yeah. And um, obviously, places like New Plymouth just get it a little bit, uh, a little bit later than others. New Plymouth, if you, if I, what I've seen from other parts as well, is that New Plymouth has a lot of very strong alternative practitioners. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of therapies and a lot of mm-hmm. other types of healing practices that it all comes together to self-care and self, self-awareness. Mm-hmm. So I think that also has helped the growth in the community to be appealed to practice yoga or meditation in a sense because of all the alternative things that are in New Plymouth. What drew the two of you to New Plymouth? Surfing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for answer. me it was just luck really. I had come back from 12 years overseas, didn't know where I wanted to live, didn't want to live in a big city. And I was literally driving around the country, sleeping in my car, just sussing places out. And someone offered me an apartment to use for a long weekend here. And I went for a surf at Back Beach, a nice sunny day, had a great surf. And I was like, oh, this place is pretty good. <laughs> Same day, I called up a real estate agent and said, oh, why don't you show me some properties here? I'm looking for somewhere I can live and teach yoga. And that same day, I found the place that, that we got for the the yoga center and as soon as I walked in I was like that works that works that works Got it. made an offer and a couple of days later sealed that deal and that was it didn't know a single person here um but yeah I guess it was higher powers at work probably you obviously managed to build a community was that a struggle at all or did it happen naturally um oh no definitely it was a process (laughs) there wasn't much yoga going on and Mm -hmm. the yoga that was going on was chalk and cheese basically from from where we were so it was very new for for a lot of people and I mean I think any time you start up a studio particularly when yoga is not popular in the area it takes time I mean you've got to have I guess a bit of thick skin because you know you've got no one comes up to class then one person comes then no one comes and maybe two people come and you get excited (laughs) and then no no one again and then no one and then one person and then 
two people and I think I had a class where I had one person come in and they left halfway through. <laughs> so you, you go through that it sort of it does you go through that sort of stage of like, oh, am I doing the right thing? Mm. Are people gonna like it here? And then slowly you get three people in class and then four and yeah. um then I think there was just a turning point at some point where all of a sudden I mean it took about a year I think and then it was basically quite busy and mm-hmm. but it, it definitely was a process. Mm-hmm. Um getting to that that point I guess at the early stages did you even have to educate people on what yoga even is at a completely abstract simple yeah, level yeah, yeah absolutely yeah, yeah um, definitely yeah. yeah yeah a lot of people have had no idea and I mean part of what we did and still do is teach beginner courses which mm. was a great way to introduce people yeah we did an eight class course where we started very slowly very basically but taught a lot of fundamentals of how to breathe properly mm-hmm. um, what is a yoga posture why do you do that what mm-hmm. are the benefits of it mm-hmm. um, and just just introduce people at a really slow and gradual level and we found that to be really effective and to not just teach the yoga postures but also talk a little bit about the mind and, mm-hmm. and the connection between what you're doing and yeah. what is meditation and you know yeah, why do we think positive and and yeah, teaching relaxation, how to actually relax your body properly, that sort of thing. And yeah. group energy is really good when you have those beginner courses that are together. People can start to become more comfortable rather just stepping into a class so who knows is going to show up. So obviously this is new for them. They haven't heard of yoga. So actually they're, they, you're very, very likely it's kind of a mother with a daughter or a friend. They come together. That makes it much easier for people to start to open into something different. I, I saw on Facebook recently that you had a glow yoga event at the Gavette Brewster Gallery. Beautiful, yes. Yeah, could you, um, could you explain how that came about and perhaps what it was? What it was? I think glow yoga is just going quite a bit in different places and I've seen those, those events in the past and being a Mexican, I have any excuse for a party. So <laughs> I really love um, bringing people together and, you know, music in this part. Even, yeah, you know, they haven't done that before. It just sounded like a really fun thing to do and I put it out in the Facebook and looking for a venue and one of the other girls from the other yoga studios, one of the owners, she raised her hand up to do a collaboration and sat together. We had a very similar idea of what we wanted to do. We wanted to do just a community part event that had no logos, no names. It was it was our name there that who was going to teach but it was not meant to be a promotional thing. And it was perfect. It really, ha- really happened. Mm-hmm. We can really feel there was a lot of sense of friendship in the in the class that we did that day. And having it done at the art gallery was just a whole experience. Mm. Like people walking on the street, entering a gallery in the night with glow stuff. It was a whole beautiful experience, very sensorial and... We can see people from a complete different studios, our yengos and vinyasis and for, for different different part that it was just beautiful to watch everyone just enjoying themselves. You know, it's one of those classes that you can really dance as if no one's looking because it's dark and no one knows <laughs> if you're there. So it was beautiful to let people have an opportunity to feel yoga in that way, I think. So, yeah, I was really glad to do it. So I would definitely do it again, I think. And I saw the pictures on Facebook. It looked it looked pretty... Oh, it was great. Yeah, yes. yeah, it looked incredible. <laughs> so as we touched on earlier, you're in the process of building a new studio here. Is that just down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, would you like to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So a year and a half ago, 
we were actually over in Mexico and we were transitioning because we the house we're living was a bit small and then we had the yoga center which was kind of too big for our purposes there was a lot of wasted space going on there and we're just racking our brains of what to do like how can we sort of consolidate a little bit we like the idea of living and having a studio at the same place but not being connected literally so people are hearing our kids run up and down (laughs) during a meditation or something like that so we sort of thought oh let's let's look for a house and then build a studio and try to find it where we get a bit of nature we hadn't actually thought retreat space we just thought studio and then we came across a property and we thought oh you know what we could totally make this work to be a studio and have a retreat and it wasn't actually this place in this place we found a couple of uh, months later when we came back and we're like oh this would actually be perfect because it's so close to town but you feel you're way out of town and in nature and we have always loved doing retreats and we'd always wanted to have a retreat center we just thought it was not realistic for us at this stage we thought maybe in 20 years time or something like that but it sort of has just naturally evolved into a space that is going to have daily yoga classes and we are going to be able to run um, wellness retreats yoga retreats weekend retreats that sort of thing as well and it's just sort of clicked into place and I think one of the reasons why I've been passionate about that is because I've been a chef most of my life but but I obviously lost that side of myself and got quite disgusted with the hospitality industry but I still love to cook I love to be creative in that sense but now I love to cook uh, superfoods and you know uh, raw food and that sort of thing which is not a big market for but on retreats I can still sort of get that creative outlet mm-hmm. I guess yeah. yeah yeah it's funny because I think through that process in time we've thought so many times we're like okay this is it we're going to close the center it's just not working and having a second job we were really busy in just trying to juggle life with two kids, with, like, two kids two and heads. classes <laughs> He was going out the door and coming back in, and I would go out to teach, and then finding someone to care the kid. It was re- it was hard, and he thought, okay, this is just not balanced. And it was so interesting. All of a sudden, something clicked and something changed, and it's like, oh, okay, maybe we can, okay, let's just see if this works. And and it did, and it just it has happened quite a few times that we had had that thought, and till this point, we understand obviously it was still a whole process to get here and, and pretty much we just had to say yes it was it was ready for it to happen and we could do it so we just said yes let's do it and we did it we are <laughs> we're doing right. it and you're looking at having it done in about a month or so i believe yes yeah. with any luck there'll be classes going by the end of november Excellent. um it's yeah. been a process and still a way to go but uh yeah there's a beautiful property here and you've got a nice view of Mount Taranaki in the background. Yeah. So I think it'd be an excellent place to have a yeah. retreat. It'll take a while to do the whole landscaping because mm-hmm. Ram wants to do a bit of pathways and do a bit of walks out through the mm-hmm. back yeah. areas. It'll, so. it'll be an ongoing project. It'll be an yeah. ongoing yeah. project. Yeah. 10 years work in process. Yeah. So. The basics will be ready in a month. Looking forward to it. I'm just wondering, have you got any advice for uh, newer teachers starting out on, on this whole journey? My best advice is to trust your teachers. I think we sometimes want to study one certification and another one and then this and this and that. Choose one, stay true to one, trust your teachers. And if they're not there, sometimes they're not physically here with us. But just feel as if they're sitting next to you and tune into them when you're teaching. So that just comes very, very truthful, transparent and authentic. 
because it just comes from a higher lineage. So I think we sometimes forget when we do our teacher training, we're just fresh new and we want to show up and give the best experience to the teachers, to the students, but we forget the the background of it. So to me, that has been the most helpful understanding of it. And that would be my advice. For me, I would say for myself and, and for all good teachers, the best teachings and teachers when you teach, it comes from you. It comes from your practice, your experience, what you feel when you do your practice. You draw that out and that's, in a sense, just you're explaining to someone what you feel when you do yoga. I think a lot of younger teachers these days are putting a lot of pressure to be something mm-hmm. or to translate something or to say something in a certain way. But it's just got to come from you and it's got to come from what? what you're doing, what your connection with yoga is, you're just trying to explain that and give that to someone else. So yeah, my advice would be just let it come from yourself and in and, and your practice, make sure you've got a solid personal practice um, because that's what, what sure. gives you a deeper experience so that you can share that with others. Have you got advice for people um, doing what you're doing and, and starting your own studio or something like that? My advice would be just go for it. Yeah, just do it. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, if, if you think about things too much and too long, you can find so many reasons why not to or why to. I think in life you've just got to move forward. Mm-hmm. Put, yeah. put one foot in front of the other, follow your dreams. Um, if it's not meant to be, then it won't. Mm-hmm. But chances are if it is your dream and you, you see a window, a tiny window that you think you can fit through to make something happen, then just go, go for it. For it. Yeah. And difficulties come because I can't say it's been smooth. There's there's and then even though we had bought this property and we were still in the process already like this is it, there were still things that happened that we thought, is this the universe telling us not to do this? What were we thinking? But I think it was really helpful just just to wait and and just see how things unfolded. Difficulties do come. It all goes up and down. Yeah. Challenges and are there to make you grow. They do. Yeah, it, it'll come. If it's not meant to be, it'll just not, not be. But mm-hmm. if it is, trying to understand and trust that process mm-hmm. is really helpful for us. It's been really yeah. helpful for us. Yeah, definitely. It doesn't come easy, but it, if, it's, if it's meant to be, it will be. It's not impossible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think often with yogis and yoga practitioners, uh, you know, the more your practice develops, the more life throws you stronger challenges too. So you yeah. just gotta just um, yeah, just keep that balance in mind and keep marching forward. Finally, is there anything else you'd like to share with the audience? Thank you for this opportunity <laughs> and yeah, very blessed to keep keep learning. I was and you're always students. Yeah, always that's it. always students. The best teachers are the best students. Definitely, like our teach, our, our, we are the reflection of our students. Mm. I don't even think I show up when they, they look at me, I look at them. I definitely understand when, what I'm going to teach because I look at them. Mm-hmm. I learn, I'm always learning from my students. I think that's what I wish to Oh, Same for me. It's just, yeah, just be true to yourself and mm-hmm. uh, follow your dreams. Alright, so we're back for our picks of the week and my pick of the week, Shining Light Yoga in Northcote, Melbourne is doing a series of men's classes to help raise awareness for men's health. This is in the month of November, Saturday at 1pm and Tuesday at 4.15pm. They'll be facilitated by 
the incredible George Wise and I will also be helping out and assisting there. So I'm really looking forward to that. How about you, Joe? Well, while you're away, Ron, the weather in Melbourne got really good. So I've been enjoying the sunshine and my pick of the week is riding your bike places and specifically to teach yoga classes. Always puts me in a good state of mind. It's quite empowering to get somewhere with your own pedal power. I usually get there quicker than if I get public transport. I don't have to leave annoying buffer zones amount of times. It warms you up physically for your class, which is great. And I'm loving it. So my pick of the week is riding your bike places. As always, you can follow us on Facebook or Twitter. We're Flow Artist Podcast on both of those. And we'd really appreciate it if you went to iTunes and either subscribed or gave us a five-star review or both. It'll really help us get the word out and reach more people. So if you like what you hear and you want more, please do that. So thanks again. Big, big love.